A gap exists today in production yields seen across the Southeast Asia region as compared to global average. This industry challenge must be addressed in order to meet the region's nutritional needs. Cargill is one company focused on the innovation, investment, and infrastructure needed to modernize the industry and serve diverse customer needs. With its long heritage of more than 75 years in the APEC region, Cargill views this market as one of the most critical long-term growth opportunities and is committed to advancing productivity gains and sustainability. In the last four years alone, Cargill Animal Nutrition and Health has grown by double and even triple digits in key countries across the region. In this episode of Feedstuffs in Focus, we talk with Adriano Marcon, Cargill's president and group leader for global animal nutrition. He gives us an inside look at Cargill's growth plans for the APEC region and how these fit in with the company's larger global strategy around animal nutrition and health. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Sarah Muirhead. Asia is super important for us. We're we're really focused in Asia. Asia uh, is a is is a growth area for feed production for for livestock production. Um, a- Asia continues to improve their productivity standards. We have a very strong position in Asia, in China, in Vietnam, in Thailand, in in the Philippines, in Malaysia. In Korea, I mean, we're we're really excited. Asia is a is a is a focus area for for animal nutrition. We continue to invest in Asia, so super super important for us. Are there any countries in particular that you're really really focused on that would be like your number one, number two priorities? There are. Uh, we uh, as Cargo Animal Nutrition, we operate today in 36 countries. We have plants and businesses and and uh, sales and technical structures. But I mean, uh, we really focus and as what we call the tier one in, in, in fewer countries in terms of predominant investments. And definitely that includes China. So for example, we're, uh, we're opening in China now a new innovation center with our partner Shanxi to provide better uh, service to our customers to to advance the the local science the look and to adjust our solutions to to the local production methods in china we're also building two new feed plants we have 26 plants in china we're, we're building two more feed plants with uh, our partner changrong and work with our partner nanching so um these um partners and and that's the way we decided to, to grow in China. These this partners complement our, our uh, capabilities. And uh, we, with, with them, we build a stronger coalition to uh, offer more solutions in the China marketplace. Still in China, we're, uh, we're opening a new pet food plant. It's been a very successful business for us, and, and we continue to invest. So China is really, really important. Vietnam is super important for us. We in spite of, of the challenges presented by African swine fever, we have been able to grow our business in Vietnam very, very nicely, really, really focus on innovation, really, really focus on bringing uh, newer solutions to customers and helping them to become more productive. So uh, this year, we're going to open a new state-of-the-art plant, premix plant in Vietnam. 
not only to support the, the Vietnamese market, but also as an export platform to the rest of Southeast Asia. In Malaysia, we just uh, completed the agreement to purchase the our minority stake of, of our joint venture partner, Lembaga. And so to, to strengthen our position in Malaysia, I also talked about South, South Korea, right? It's, uh, we're market leaders in South Korea. We're very focused on the swine uh, on the, and on the dairy industry. Uh, we have been developing the, the beef feed solutions for beef production in South Korea. So that's also an area of investments for us. So how does all this activity in Asia fit into your, your global picture, your global strategy? As a priority, as a priority market. Uh, like I said, Asia is growing. Asia is advancing its, its production technology. We have a very strong and consolidated position, it, like I said, especially in China, in Vietnam, in Thailand, in the Philippines, and in South Korea. Uh, it has been successful. The business has been successfully growing by, by bringing customers newer technologies that advance their productivity in the region. So we're very convicted that we want to continue and should continue to invest in Asia. Are there certain areas that you see as being real, um, as we call them, disruptors to the animal um, health and nutrition sector, say new technologies, automation, those types of things that might be coming at the farm level that we really need to take a look at and say, hey, we have to modify some of the things we're doing on the on the feed side of the business. Anything there that you can think of? Well, Sarah, there's a lot of things that, that we can bring up to to, to, to uh, livestock producers that are disruptive today or advanced the way they do things. Uh, but I'm going to highlight two areas for you. One is what we call discover the power of the microverse. Uh, uh, the microverse for us is the microbiome. It's, it's the, it, it's, it's the uh, different populations of bacteria in the gut that do a good job for the animal, sometimes do a harmful job for the animal. So, our technologies advancing gut health, understanding gut health, understanding how we influence the 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 good the good bugs, and presenting technological solutions like our our gut health portfolio from our Diamond V organization, for example, it's one of the areas that that will in, will be increasingly important for livestock farmers because they, instead of medicate the animal, they enable the animal not only to fight diseases or to, in, to uh, improve their immunity status, but also to be more efficient in the way they use nutrients. So what we call discover the power of the microverse, gut health, microbiome, that's a key disruptor we have been investing a lot. The second one, uh, Sarah, we, we, call, we call digital livestock farming. We have been investing uh, a lot of money, in more than $15 million a year, in what we call digital solutions for, for livestock farming. Those digital solutions, they can enable the, the livestock farmer to be more efficient. So things like uh, a solution we named Burdu that we put with a partner of ours in Malaysia, we put cameras on on the ceiling of barns, and those cameras they measure the 
the live weight of, of, of poultry birds, real life. So we can have the growth curve every day and we can discern about deviations from the ideal gr uh, growth curve and we can take early action. So things like techno digital technologies in farm to uh, uh, in the farm to uh, to digital technologies that enable us to make better nutritional decisions like uh, real time nutrient uh, assessments and uh, real time formulation with our NIR curves and our real time NIR technologies. So digital lives, livestock farming presents uh, uh, is an incredible opportunity to really leapfrog productivity uh, in the livestock sector. What about uh, a lot of discussion about sustainability in the animal feed sector because feed is such a, a huge component when it comes to uh, you know the, the cost and, and the just the whole production practice when we look at our livestock and poultry. What is Cargill's um, thinking? What is Cargill doing when it comes to the sustainability um, side of things? That's such an important question, Sarah, and it's it's, it's such a complex question as well. Uh, what I want what I want uh, people to to hear is that we focus in reducing the impact on the planet, and I'll talk some more about it, but we also focus in conjunction in increasing the farmer's livelihood. There is 1.2 billion people involved in livestock farming in the world. That's probably, Sarah, one of the, the biggest employer in the world. So we care a lot about that. And we also fo focus, when we think about sustainability, on food affordability. Not only because it's, you know, the food inflation is a recent phenomena and we discuss a lot of food inflation, but because, I mean, if you look, if you look what happened in the last few years, there is more people suffering malnourishment or not eating properly than, than there was three years ago. Food inflation has been an, an, an aggravated problem. So when we talk about help contributing to a better planet and contributing to farmers' livelihood and improving food affordability to us, the common denominator is efficiency, right? So I talked about the microbiome. I talked about digital livestock farming. These things, they, they contribute to a more efficient livestock production. So if you have a more efficient livestock production, we will need less feed to feed the animals. With less feed, we, we need less land usage and less water usage. Let's, let's remember that the feed production in the world uses about a third of the, of the arable land to produce the grains to feed these animals. So our impact in contributing to a more efficient production has a outsized contribution to reduce land usage and water usage uh, upstream. So efficiency is a, a common pillar and it's a strong pillar in our um, sustainability strategy. I also want to add, Sarah, we are also busy in developing technologies that reduce direct emissions, especially in the, in the beef side of the house and on the dairy production as well. So our um, methane reduction technology 
that that reduce digestive emissions uh, is one of the areas of, of uh, research. We have our product named Silver that reduces about 15% of methane uh, from ruminants. But we also uh, are developing, and this is really, really cool for people to hear, we're, we're, we, we feel like and we, we think that in a, in, 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 in a short time, we're going to be able to uh, advance from least cost formulation to least environmental impact formulation. And that's going to be a significant improvement on the way we do feed formulation in the future. And that will have to change how we measure, right? I mean, what we're measuring when it comes to feed formulation and what that impact is. Are, are those kind of things that are in place right now or those are things that are a little farther out in the future and we're really going to have to wait for the development on some of that stuff when we talk about, you know, sustainability becoming one of those really kind of an efficiency uh, measure? It, it Exactly right. That, that will change the way we measure the success of feed formulation. We're not going to move away from least cost. We're not, it, it doesn't mean that we're less worried about cost. We were just talking food affordability earlier, right? But we are being able to add new metrics, right? So for example, we, we can tell the, uh, the emissions impact of uh, dairy uh, feed formulation today, based on the equations we, we have been able to develop over the last few years. So this is actually happening now and there is a significant uh, progress um, that we have been able to make and we are going to make in the next year or so to, to provide the right profile of, of, of methane emissions in different feed formulation uh, um, solutions. Any other opportunities, challenges that you see either in the Asian sector or just globally when it comes to animal health and nutrition? Well, I mean, sustainability is a big one. We talked about this and we take this very seriously. We take it as an integrated approach, right? The planet, the farmer livelihood um, and the food affordability. We talked about this. Lots of solutions converge to contribute to all these three things together. It's not an either or thing for us. Uh, I think, though, the, the, the big discussion today in the livestock system is uh, is animal diseases, right? Animal diseases are... Uh, the disruptor that that we have today we everybody knows about african swine fever that that basically reduced by 50 percent the herd in china three years ago and it's it's still there in china it's very present in vietnam it's present in the philippines it's present in germany it's a significant problem uh, today everybody is worried about avian influenza everybody talks about here we are here in the us sarah I saw the other day a headline, the Wall Street Journal, with the question. The question was, skip uh, breakfast <laughs> because oh. of the price of the eggs. What's mm -hmm. happening to the price of the eggs today is that there's 15% fewer uh, laying hens because of uh, avian influenza in the U.S. And avian influenza, for the first time ever, is spreading all the way down to Latin America, the only big uh, poultry producing country that does not have avian influenza yet is Brazil. But it's a serious risk because it's bordering Brazil. So animal diseases continue to be 
a significant challenge for the livestock industry. I think it's a short-term disruption, like what we're seeing, the egg prices in the U.S. It's also a long-term uh, disruptor because it's present and, and it's it's hard to predict. So you go back to our technology, what we're doing about it. And I, I talked earlier about uh, unlocking the power of the microverse and managing the microbiome. Uh, we are really, really focused on enabling the host, the animal, to be more disease resilient, right? And uh, it's been a focus of, of our um, technology efforts and research efforts. It, it has been a focus of our um, innovation investments as well. Very good. Yeah, all of it, uh, all of it comes around, doesn't it? When it comes to you know the health of the bird, and then if the the disease, it's just like us. If we're healthy, we may not get that disease. So whatever we can do to make those those birds and the those livestock, um, you know, be more more gut healthy, a lot of efforts in that area. Any closing comments for our listeners here today? And I think it's about Asia. I I go back to Asia as a as a. As a closing comment. We are extremely proud of our businesses in Asia. Our businesses in Asia are growing, driven by innovation delivered at the farm. Our customers uh, have been reciprocating our uh, efforts to make them productive with more business to us. So, so we say in Cargo Animal Nutrition that we have to earn the right every day to continue to work with our customers every day. And I'm very proud of our teams in China, in South Korea, in Thailand, in Vietnam, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in the Philippines. Uh, I'm proud of the way they have been uh, able to help customers in the region. Uh, in spite of the significant challenges and disruptions that that the the, indi the industry had uh, driven by diseases largely, we have been able to grow the business. So we are very uh, convicted about our investments in Asia. It's been a focus of our strategy. Um, we're we're opening new plants. We're we're building new coalitions, new partnerships. We are investing in uh, R&D in the region to localize our solutions even more. Uh, and, and we believe there's much more to come. Our thanks to Adriano Marcon, Cargill President and Group Leader for Global Animal Nutrition. Cargill will be at VIV Asia next week if you are there and interested in learning more about the solutions being offered for addressing the future of animal nutrition and health. For more information on this and other topics, we invite you to visit our website. While you're there, be sure to check out our digital editions and our new Feedstuffs 365 platform. I'm Sarah Muirhead. You've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. If you would like to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast channel, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.